everybody. Welcome to a brand new season of the Seven Innings Podcast. It's opening day. Our theme today, welcome to the jungle. It's a jungle out there. If you're following on the Seven Innings Podcast lineup card, you know what we're talking about. We've got uh, a look at the World Series. We got our first ever All-America team breaking news today. Big tournament next week down in Clearwater, St. Pete. We've got you covered for that. And as always, your favorite and mine, Later in the show, we will be shagging stats. Uh, this season on our seven innings podcast, I'm Beth Mowens, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Amanda Scarborough, Jenny Dalton Hill, Caleb Bro. We welcome Jen Schroeder to the podcast this year. And as always, a cool cast of other characters like Vegas Vicky, Buzz Lightyear, new to the program this year, and a big shout out to our dear friend Jimmy Softball. He has moved on to bigger and better things with our company. Great job on the podcast. And we welcome this year <laughs> J-Mac, our brand new producer, is on board with us. So thanks to everybody involved. Following along on the lineup card, we got a lot to cover. Let's jump right in. What's new, folks? And we turn to Holly Rowe. Ho Rowe, what's new and exciting about softball this year? Well, I think something very exciting is that we have a new Division One softball program. It's not every day we get a new team in the ACC. So hello, Clemson Tigers. We are so excited to welcome you to our softball world. It is very exciting. They have a great brand new facility, brand new stadium that is right across from the beautiful football facility that Dabo Sweeney built. And they start play February 12th. They have a home opener. Um, against Western Carolina. So they will open a brand new ballpark. And let me just tell you, it is gorgeous. I went on a tour with John Rittman. It is amazing. And they have a chance to be good pretty quick because they've got some key transfers, MK Bonamy yes. from Notre Dame. And they have been practicing for two years. So they have a lot of players that were in place and practicing. Plus, they've got one of the best pitchers in the country as an incoming freshman. So can't wait. That's really new. A new program at Clemson, South Carolina. <laughs> what else is new, Amanda? Um, I think that we're going to have some new faces in the circle that are going to become the stars. Um, I think of the graduated pitchers, the big names that you're so used to us talking about and hearing about, like Kelly Barnhill, Rachel Garcia, Taryn Alvello, Sam Shaw, who was the star last year in the Women's College World Series with Oklahoma State, Megan King, Taylor McQuillan, Nicole Newman, so many big pitching names graduated. I can't wait to see who are going to be the new stars in the circle that we're constantly talking about. And do you and Smitty want to tackle? We've got a new pitching rule, right? A little change to how uh, they're going to be able to operate on the mound. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how many uh, pitchers are going to be able to use uh, more of their lower body with that back foot being able to be off of the pitcher's plate. So what will happen, uh, BMO, is that the pivot foot, obviously the front foot has to be on the pitching plate, but the back foot does no longer have to touch the pitching rubber, the pitching plate, it can be back. Now you cannot step back. Where you start with that foot is where you you have to stay. But I, Amanda, I think it's an advantage, um, and some pitchers are definitely going to use it to generate more power off of the uh, pitching rubber. Yeah, for sure. And we're already talking to coaches for the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational Tournament that we're going to have in a couple of weeks. And coaches are already talking about an increase in velocity, which I think fans like to see, whether it's one, two, three miles an hour. So because you can start with a bigger base, get more into your legs at the start of the pitch, you're going to see an increase in velocity across the board. 
that's going to be great to watch and and see how uh, all the pitchers deal with that. I, there's some great news um, off the field as well, and I know Jenny Dalton Hill, you've been following the story out there in San Francisco with a new coach for the Giants. An exciting time for women in baseball. The very first uniformed coach in the major leagues. We've got Alyssa Nackin. She is she played softball at Sac State, and so. It's amazing. But when it comes down to it, big opportunities for women and being able to uh, make their presence known in the major leagues. Awesome. Awesome. I'm doing the wave and nobody's joining in. I can see you guys. I'm trying to do the wave. Why isn't anyone joining in? Wouldn't it be great if we could get this show on television? Maybe that's something to look forward to for later in the year, perhaps. This is the 7 Innings Podcast, available uh, wherever you find your podcasts and on ESPN and on iTunes. You got questions or things on your mind, let us know on the Twitter, at 7 Innings Podcast. Next up on the lineup card, time for Q&A. Some questions that need to be answered as the season progresses. Smitty, where are you taking us first on Q&A? All right, well, my question, ladies and gentlemen, is Harper. In the home run chase, right? She's going after Lauren Chamberlain. Chamberlain's 95. Harper hit 29 last year to lead the NCAA. She is 66 in her career. That means she needs 29 more to take over that top position. So, and 30 to beat it. So here's my question though. Does Deja Mulaipola being out of the lineup hurt her or help her in that home run chase? What say you? What what is what does Shro in the know think about that? I think it definitely hurts her. I mean, she has protection with Alyssa Palomino Cordorza, but they're probably going to have her lead off potentially. So it'll be interesting to see if they decide to have Harper lead off. But I think Deja being out of the lineup completely hurts Harper's chances of catching Lauren. So Jen, you got to mute your Google Hangout. That that's sorry, sorry guys. you twice. <laughs> That's going to be and interesting. That's a rookie see. move, you know? Okay, that's your first screw up. Send up down and then join us back in a moment. That's going With to be very interesting. It was 50, so that's what. <laughs> we all know about the thin air out there. Yeah. Professor Smith has already uh, taught us about that. But um, I know, I know, Jen, you are monitoring um, how things are going to be different this year with the UCLA Bruins. Of course, they will be without. Two key cogs, uh, Rachel Garcia and Bubba Nichols, who are off to, to the U.S. Olympic team. Yeah, and there's no doubt that's going to hurt my Bruins. However, it gives an opportunity for Megan Faramo to step up, uh, Aaliyah Jordan. It'll be interesting to see what UCLA looks like. I still see them at the World Series. I still see them as a top eight team. But there's no doubt they're going to look very, very different this year. That that uh, they also lose one of the key transfers in Colleen Sullivan. She leaves to go to Texas. Some others. Megan Kleist will show up at ULL. Kaylin Arnold is at Florida State. Alexis Mack at Alabama, and perhaps that's a a moment where we can bring in Kayla Bro. You got a Q and A for us, Kayla? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Jen, you're absolutely right. When other players depart, it just gives the opportunity for somebody new to step up. And that's always exciting to see. But I got to go back to you, Beth. You just said it, Megan Kleist. I think my question is, is after you sit out a year as a pitcher, I mean, are you the same? And she wasn't injured. It was just, I'm taking a break. I am transferring. I had to sit out a year. Does she come back the same? And if she does, can you imagine the damage that she's going to do in the Sun Belt? I mean, I think the sky's the limit in that league for her. 
Uh, the other big transfers, and in particular, Oklahoma State, you know, they lose Sam Shaw, but they pick up Kerry Eberly from Virginia Tech and Allison Febri from Georgia. So can they, as well as a very good Texas team with just about everybody coming back, can they challenge the Oklahoma Sooners who lost that huge senior class last year, Jenny? I don't know if they can. When it comes to my question, though, I really look at Florida State. Is Kaylin Arnold, the big transfer from Tennessee, is she going to be able to fill the shoes of Megan King? She and Herzog both gone to Florida State this year in the circle. They combined for 282 of their 421 innings. And so for me, is Kaylin Arnold going to be able to handle that pressure in the circle and be the ace that Florida State needs to get them back to the Women's College World Series? Yeah, they, they lost some key seniors as well. So that'll be interesting to watch, you know, the infusion of young talent. They got a big freshman class coming in. Does anybody else have any questions that need to be answered or are we ready to move on to the brand new seven innings preseason All America team? What you got, Scarborough? I, uh, Florida, we have yet to talk about them, a yes. team that's been year in and year out in the Women's College World Series, but they will not have Kelly Barnhill, who's been their pitcher in the circle leading the way. So uh, a big question mark for me is in the circle for Florida and if we'll see them without her in the Women's College World Series. Yes. I had one other question, Beth, is um, it's Holly, and I think everybody wants to know how will the Sooners replace that um, All-American class, the seniors who did so much for them, Shay Knighton, Sydney Romero, um, just the, the all-American talent that they had. They have mm-hmm. nine newcomers for the Sooners. I spoke to Patty Gasso two days ago, and she said she's really excited. They have a lot of power, speed, and that they are going to be good. They're just not that experienced. But she said, I am so excited every day when I go to the ballpark. I'm back in teaching mode. Um, and also, G. Juarez oh. is back. She'll have more help in the circle with Shannon Sale, who'll get more action. So, um, oh, and the one thing she said, Jocelyn Allo, their big home run hitter, is on a mission right now. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Came back in maybe the best shape of her life. Fierce fire in her eyes. So look out for the Oklahoma Sooners as they reload. Good work, Holly Rowe. It's it's uh, the opportune time then right now to transition and say thanks and so long to those Sooner seniors Four trips to the World Series, three finals, two national championships, and so many fond memories in Oklahoma City for that legendary group of seniors. But you mentioned Jocelyn Allo. Oh, that crowd. <laughs> um, you mentioned Jocelyn Allo. So now's a good time to look at our seven innings preseason All-Americans. This is brand new to the podcast this year. All of our, uh, our folks, um, that work with us on softball got a vote. Um, and, and you're listening to a lot of us right now. BMO, Horo, Smitty, Scarborough, Cool Cat with the Bat, Bro, Tro in the No, Vegas Vicky, Buzz Lightyear, and J Mac. What do you guys think of the seven innings All America team? Let's start with you, Shro, because we know we're going to have a new player of the year, right? Rachel Garcia taking the year off for Team USA. Yeah, you know, Amanda talked about the loss of huge pitchers this year. I look at two girls specifically on this list that have so happened to be from the pack, but Morgan Flores and Alyssa Palomino, obviously fifth-year seniors. And you talk about Jocelyn Allo having this vengeance, coming back with a vengeance. I think when you're a fifth-year senior, you have nothing to lose, and you're going to leave it all out on the field every single day. And I look to those two players to put up some really great numbers this year, and I'm excited to watch them. Yeah, so here's our list. Our pitchers, Gabby Plain, Amber Pfizer, Montana Fouts. Our outfielders, Alyssa Palomino-Cardoza, Kelly Gooden, Kendra Hackbarth. We've got Aloe as the DP. Our infielders, 
Morgan Flores, Bailey Hemphill, Raina Karanko, Sis Bates, and Sydney Sherrill. And then we've got a utility outfielder, Aaliyah Andrews, a utility infielder, Janae Jefferson. Smitty? Uh, I, I think this is a, a pretty stout team. In fact, I think someone was uh, chiming in and saying, hey, we, we should have them play Team USA. <laughs> that, <laughs> yes. a, that would be a pretty good showdown um, between this uh, All-American team. You know, what I find interesting, though, about preseason All-Americans, this is like on past performances. And sometimes the pressure of those uh, being an upperclassman and everybody knows you. How do you adjust? How do you adapt? That's what I look forward to seeing and comparing your your preseason All-American picks to the postseason All-American, who really comes through in the thick of it. But this is a very, very talented uh, squad of, of ladies. I'm excited to watch them play this year. Beth, when I sent you my team, probably one person stuck out that you're like, wow, I can't believe Amanda put her. And it was an outfielder of De- uh, Natalie Den Hartog from Minnesota. She's a sophomore, one of the finalists for National Freshman of the Year last year. And we talked to uh, Coach Traxel, the Minnesota head coach, and she just raved about Natalie Den Hartog and her leadership abilities at a young age and how she has really progressed as an outfielder. And so at the bat, or when she has the bat, 17 home runs, 64. RBIs last year. She was one of the best freshmen. She could be one of the best hitters in the country this year and improvement in her defense. That's why I decided to put her as a preseason All-American in the outfielder as in the outfield. Yeah, super talented, Amanda. And I think something else that, you know, we don't see on this list. I mean, these are some power five teams that were holding all of these Amer- All-American spots right now. But I look at a team like James Madison, who loses Megan Good from last year and has players like Odyssey Alexander, Kate Gordon that have the potential uh, for Odyssey Alexander. She is a hitting pitcher as well. So I think players like them can bust into that All-American role um, this season as, you know, maybe not a power five team, but going to be really strong. And I I think it's especially impressive when you look at hitting pitchers. And I think that's going to be interesting to see this year. You talk about all the pitchers that graduated and there are some incredible, incredible offensive players. And I can't wait to see, you know, pitchers and hitters go toe to toe this season. Well, and Michelle, you were talking about how it's based on last season's performance. And so a player that didn't make my list was actually Jocelyn Alo in that DP spot. I had Harper in that spot. She led the country in home runs. So maybe I'm a home run homer, but it really comes down to the long ball for me. While Alo had an amazing freshman season last year, she wasn't able to, to really back it up. And so I know that she is capable, but if we're basing it on last season, I'm going to give it to Harper. Well, and if you think about it, we're talking about Harper and her home run chase, and yet she's not on this list. So, yeah, I agree. I think that um, – and, and that's the thing. You know what? There's so many great ball players out there. It's really getting down to the nitty-gritty to see who actually makes that first-team All-American list. Some others on the list, of course, were Harper, Den Hartog, um, Miranda Ellish, Kate Gordon, Aaliyah Jordan, Shelby Sunsiri, some of the other names that – that uh, everybody voted for that that were also on that list. So um, it, it was tough to just narrow it down. We wanted to try and keep it to five infielders and three outfielders, and and a lot of players went head to head based on the the position that they happened to be in, and and some intel that we get about players that may be changing to a different position um, this year. So all of that went into our seven innings um, preseason All America team. Uh, do we have a front runner for National Player of the Year? It, it it starts out, I think, pretty wide open, whereas last year Garcia, I think, would have been the name on everybody's lips. All right, let's move on now. Uh, if you're following along on your lineup card, we are to the cleanup spot, and it's time to talk about the Clearwater St. Pete Elite Invitational. 
um, the uh, ESPN. We're all over it next week. And uh, we, we've got wall-to-wall action for you. Starts on Thursday. Uh, double headers on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We've got all of the games streaming for you. Check out, if you don't have your ESPN app yet, make sure you get it. Five teams from the World Series last year. Washington, Alabama, Minnesota, Oklahoma State, and the defending national champion, UCLA Bruins. UCLA, one of four former national champs that will be there along with Washington, Alabama, and Florida State. Uh, we have all of the games for you. It's going to be awesome, just like it was a year ago, and it culminates with Florida State and UCLA primetime national television on Sunday, February 16th. So let's start out with Caleb Bro. Take us to Clearwater St. Pete, Kayla, where all the preseason polls love Alabama and Washington early on. Yeah, and they're going to match up on one of the first days of the tournament. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see. I think last year was an incredible experience to be there. There was so much work. Many credit goes to Michelle Smith for putting that tournament on. But it just felt incredible to have preseason softball, February softball on TV. It felt big time. It set the stage. We saw some incredible performance earlier on the year, and it, it helped everybody, I think, gauge where some of these teams were. And when you're going toe-to-toe early in the season against some of these big heavy hitters, you said five out of the eight teams from the World Series last year, I think it gives an opportunity for teams to not only gauge where they are, but get so much excitement for the season started, get it moving, and I'm stoked to be there. Well, and it's exciting to have all that great talent in a location where you can watch multiple games, 16 teams showing up. And I think that's the feedback we heard from fans is that ability to watch a lot of really good games back to back to back, multiple days, Thursday through Sunday. Oh, yes, television bringing it around, um, you know, the country. For me, the game to watch is Washington, Alabama, that one-two matchup right away. I mean, you talk about second week of the season, baby. Woo, that is just – I cannot wait. I have goosebumps thinking about it. Alabama and UCLA also play each other. Um, and then, of course, that nightcap, like you mentioned, UCLA and FSU. But one that I think is off the beaten path that might not grab your attention as much is UCLA going up against Georgia. Georgia is always such a feisty team. They play so hard. And you know that a team like Georgia plays with a chip on their shoulder. So when they go up against the defending national champs and the team that has the most national championships of UCLA, that is going to be a really good game. Did anybody see the video that went viral over the winter of Jaden Fields squatting like a thousand pounds? That that is an incoming Georgia freshman. I thought you know, that was they, pretty exciting video. I I did not catch that. They're always a team of intrigue though, with the comings and goings, and and the coaching staff does a great job getting them ready to roll. And as we know, they've they've had a lot of power hitters in recent years. Maybe she's the next, huh? She's got power, that's for sure. Well. we'll uh, yeah, we'll be able to look, we'll be able to check that out, um, in, uh, the Clearwater St. Pete Elite Invitational, uh, action gets underway on, uh, Thursday on the ESPN networks. The U.S. national team will also be there, uh, playing on, uh, Wednesday night for those of you that are going to be down there. Another team I think to keep an eye on, and, and let's jump right in now to the Missouri situation, the NCAA. Um, handing out sanctions. They will not be able to play in the SEC tournament. They will not be able to play in the NCAA tournament due to violations that happened in the past. Um, and we talked to Larissa Anderson last week, and, and this is a team 
that is out to prove, and in her words, and I quote, we belong in the postseason. We are going to play every game this year like it's our World Series. And so, um, Holly, this is a team, I think, that you want to talk about a chip on your shoulder. They can really make a statement. If they are a top 10 type of team this year, and we won't be able to see them, uh, unfortunately, in the postseason. Well, we talked with Coach Anderson, and I loved what she said. She said, this this is obviously unfortunate. Nobody wanted this. When they heard about the appeal, it was kind of over Thanksgiving break, and she said, you know, a lot of the kids were away, and when I finally got the team back, I had to, she had to do a FaceTime call with all of the team to let them know about the sanctions that they had been upheld, that the ban had been upheld for postseason. And she said, it was really amazing that nobody transferred after that. She said, this team is all in. They want to fight through this adversity. And they're using it as an opportunity to remember why they play. And I just kind of love that is, listen, they they don't know that they have postseason in their future. So they can play every day for the love of the game, why they're there playing softball. And um, she went really old school. She took away all of their Missouri gear. When they got there, all they got was a Fruit of the Loom white T-shirt gray shorts. They had to work out in that and they had to earn the Missouri gear. They had to earn the Missouri on their chest. And so she is trying to build a culture there of kids who want to be playing for Missouri. And I think it says a lot that nobody transferred after they found out that they will be banned from the postseason. Uh, Clearwater St. Pete Elite Invitational. Our coverage begins on Thursday at one o'clock on ESPNU with that Missouri team against Kansas. And then the monster showdown to kick things off at 4 o'clock with that Alabama-Washington matchup. And that's on ESPN2, BMO. That's that's huge for us to be. It's two games on ESPN2 in this tournament. Big bravo. All right. We mentioned, by the way, that uh, Team USA will be there. Let's move on to number five uh, on our lineup card. Stand Beside Her. That's the name of the tour uh, that they are on to get ready for um, the trip back to Tokyo for the Olympics as they will try and bring the gold back home. Exciting, breaking news from Vegas Vicky. Um, I don't know if, if Vicky's got a mic on her or if she wants us to hand it down, um, but we will have coverage from the Stand Beside Her Tour three-team USA games. You want me to take it, Vicky? She's drinking her latte and nodding her head. So we will have mark it down on your calendars, folks. Mark it down. I'm 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 looking it up right now. Um, March 31st, Team USA at Alabama. Huge. April 1st, uh, April 1st, USA at Auburn, and then April 8th, USA at Tennessee. So we are a part of the Stand Beside Her tour. You know who else is a part of the tour? Major League Baseball. Massive shout out to MLB for taking over sponsorship and throwing some bucks into softball. Love to see that collaboration because baseball is also back in the Olympics in Tokyo. What say you to that, guys? We're stronger together. I think it's great. Vicky, Vicky, jumping in here. Vicky, Vicky, what you got? More breaking news. More breaking news. There will be more stand beside her games on ESPN to be announced in the future. Yeah. Carry on with your podcast. Okay, our producers knew, J-Mac, this is your cue for you. Good producers have sound effects. So that's where, <laughs> in the future, we would like for you to have some crowd sound effects. Do you think you can make that happen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. J-Mac getting it done. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we got 
got uh, we got Beth Bowens, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Amanda Scarborough, Jenny Dalton Hill, Caleb Bro, Jen Schroeder, uh, Vegas Vicky, Buzz Lightyear, and J Mac on the program with you. We're available on iTunes, ESPN, or wherever you find your podcast. Send us your thoughts, your questions, um, how excited you are about our sound effects at Seven Innings Podcast. As we return to number five on the lineup card, let's talk Olympics, folks. And Smitty, I know you're counting your gold medals, wishing you were still young enough to grab another one, but this experience is huge, not only for the current members of the team, but the dream is alive again for youngsters. Not going to be on the card in Paris, but undoubtedly will be back in 2028 when the games come to Los Angeles. Yeah, BMO, it's all about the Olympic dream and these young ladies that are on this team right now, opportunity for them. It's it's life-changing. Obviously, Monica Abbott and Kat Osterman are the two returner Olympics from the 2008 Olympic team. But for all these women, uh, it's just an opportunity for them for the showcase our sport. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to be throwing batting practice to them later on this week. So hopefully uh, I'll still have a second oh, arm wow. and my arm won't fall off. <laughs> Do you remember is, when is, Jess hit you in the ankle with a line drive? <laughs> yes. Let's just yes. be careful. Do you remember how big yes. your ankle was? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. I, I think yes. this is uh, this is Ken Erickson's way to build up the confidence of his hitters. What's your, what's your velo right now? You, you're hitting 58, 59, Smitty? I think I was I was getting sixty one. I was happy about that. And then I my fingers were sausages though, so Michelle, are you going screen or no screen? Oh, there's a screen. Hello, I'm gonna put a ball through my face. All right, Michelle, I've got your back. You can't mess with the money maker. Come on. But more than that, I can vouch for Michelle Smith. I was trying to make the Olympic team against her. And I can't tell you how to strike out. So I'm going to just bow down to you, Michelle. It may have been a few years, but I would still strike out to you now. So regardless of your velocity, I got you. But when it comes to this, um, <laughs> when it comes to this um, Olympic team, I think the topic of conversation, as we talk about collegiate softball, it comes down to UCLA. They're the two, they're the one program that has two collegiate players that are taken off of their roster. That happened to me when we were in Arizona. We lost. Leah O'Brien Amico to the Olympics and she redshirted that season. It changes not only the dynamic of your team and the chemistry, but it also, it's tough to rebound when you lose such a dynamic player heading into the biggest games of what you feel are your life. Not knowing if you'll ever make the Olympics, making it to Oklahoma City becomes a question mark, which is not what UCLA would have pictured a year ago. Yeah. We, we apologize there. We're having a few technical difficulties with, with uh, Jenny's uh, um, mic, but throw in the know. You want to chime in? Yeah, you know, there's no doubt. Rachel Garcia, Bubba Nichols, they're insanely talented players. But when you look at the history of UCLA, you look at always who's next. Kier Girl threw a no-hitter at the World Series in 2003. Jelly Selden comes in as a freshman, steps up, takes us to the national championship game. So I think when you look at the history of UCLA, it's always been who's next, who's next. And I think now it just leads for another opportunity for someone to step up into the limelight. Can you replace a Rachel Garcia or a Bubba Nichols? No, but you can make your own name as a Megan Faramo and maybe a Genevieve Perez, an All-American who's now a mom that's transferred into UCLA, Troy Palomalu's niece, some big-time athletic blood. And so it'll be interesting to see who's the next person that steps into that limelight to hopefully take them back to OKC. There are three uh, collegians that, that are taking the year off um, to play. Deja Mulapolo is the other one from UCLA. As of as of this podcast, Gabby Plain, who's got a shot at the uh, Australian team, is planning to play 
the season out in college before she joins Australia. But I want to get back to, um, you know, the, those veterans and, and Monica Abbott and Kat Osterman. Uh, Kehlani Ricketts is one of the alternates um, if, if a spot would happen to open up. But we want to congratulate Kat Osterman. We're looking forward to her jersey retirement, grade eight. On the bottom of your lineup card, um, her jersey will be retired, and then she will really start to lock in and focus on getting to Tokyo and, and bringing the gold back to Team USA. Uh, one of the all-time greats in the college game, really, um, is this the year that Texas, um, with a fabulous uh, lineup returning, um, makes another push for a national championship like they did did in the days of Cat, which which brings us to number six on the lineup card. Um, and we talk about the Women's College World Series, and we talk about the growth of the game, guys. There is a new upper deck in OKC, and we will be pushing the um, uh, capacity to over 12,000 fans to join us at the Women's College World Series standing room only um, and, and what a job everybody's doing in Oklahoma City and, and through the NCAA um, to make this just a world-class venue and the place to be every year at the end of May and uh, and early June. And, and Jenny, I know you, you've had a chance to take place in many epic ball games in OKC and, and just to watch the growth of the game from back in the days when you played to where we are now. I mean, it's been amazing to not even be on TV at all at the Women's College World Series. And now to have this a situation where it's standing room only, it's amazing. Yeah, um, I get goosebumps just thinking about what it's going to be to be like to walk into the stadium with the upper deck built on both sides, down the first baseline, down the third baseline, and the atmosphere. It's already electric whenever we've gone there in the past few years, and it just gets better and better and better and better every single year. I was just watching a, a World Series game from 2007, and the fan, the the stands weren't quite as full. The bleachers in the outfield were much smaller. There weren't nearly as many people there. But to think about that, in 2019, last Women's College World Series on Friday night, there were close to 10,000 people already in the stands. And now you add an additional 4,000 seats to where now the capacity could be anywhere between 13K and 14K. I mean, it's unbelievable the growth of this sport and how uh, you didn't even think that the World Series could get better, but it is going to continue to get better. Yeah, without a doubt, Amanda. And I think what's crazy is you always ask yourself every single year, how does the World Series get bigger? And, you know, from the TV coverage to the studio set on on site to adding these seats. I mean, it's no doubt that fans are going to pack it because they love and believe in this sport. And the following for softball has grown and grown. And it's been incredible to experience. And and to be honest, I'm, I'm jealous for the girls that are going to get to play in the World Series in the next five, 10 years because the crowds and the level and the stage that they're going to be on is going to be like no other. Well, how about you guys getting uh, emails and all of us from the NCAA saying that uh, get your World Series tickets now and they're sold out before the new year even <laughs> starts. So they've been sold out for 2020 back in 2019. And that just shows how our sport has arrived. I love it. And I love meeting fans who come in. They don't have daughters that play softball. They're just fans of the sport. It's a bucket list trip and they're going to come out and watch some of the best female athletes in the world. And I, I love that. It, I'm so proud of our sport. And it, it is really um, softball has shown, I think, and I, I wish other women's sports would, would take note you go to one place and you build it up 
And people, you know, in women's sports, it's crucial for the fan base to plan ahead. They love to know where they're going well in advance. It's not a group that grabs tickets at last minute. So, you know, you can put it on your calendar well in advance that you want to go to Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series. It's something I think that a lot of other women's sports um, should keep in mind for their uh, championships and, and their postseason tournaments. So enjoy the upper deck in Oklahoma City and bring that sunscreen and perhaps a seven innings ball cap. Um, this is the seven innings podcast. We're moving on to our World Series predictions. Who are the folks going to be watching from those brand new upper deck seats uh, in Oklahoma City? C- can we... Can we pencil in some teams right now, the UCLA's, Alabama's, Washington's, um, or or is it really going to be a lot of parity and kind of up in the air this year? I think you'll have a mix. I think you'll have the Arizona's, the UCLA's, the Washington's, the Oklahoma's. However, a couple teams that I see making it there this year that haven't been in quite some time are Texas. And then ULL is going to be my dark horse that makes it probably in that eight spot. Who knows? But when you think of the amount of transfers that they've had from top programs, Megan Kleist from Oregon, Alyssa Dalton from OU, Mia Camuso from Oregon, Sarah Hudek from A&M, and then, of course, Jerry Glasgow, who's just a brilliant softball mind. I cannot wait to see them this year, and I really think that they're going to make it to OKC. I think another team to watch might be the Oregon Ducks. Have they been able to um, respond to all the turmoil and adversity last year? They add the Big West Pitcher of the Year. They add the WAC Pitcher of the Year and the Missouri Prep Player of the Year, a top 30 recruit. So can they turn the corner and get back into contention in what should be another wild, wild West in the Pac-12? Caleb Rowe? Yeah, Oregon had a tough year last year. Everybody knows that. But I think the credit goes to rebuilding that team as quickly as possible. And the transfer portal made it available. I think Brooke Yanez from UC Davis had an incredible freshman year, and she could be a game changer in the circle for Oregon. I know they have some incredible young talent as freshmen that came in this year, some big-time power hitters. So I think that they're a team that – you know, the Pac-12 is going to be incredibly tough this season, but if they can go gain some confidence, go beat some good teams, maybe not win every single series, but chip away, they're a team that could get hot. You never know. I mean, that's the beauty of softball and the beauty of getting to the World Series. And we saw it from Oklahoma State last year. You get hot, you get on a run, you can make it there. Yeah, I think that this is Amanda. I think that the team to beat going into the season clearly is going to be a team like Alabama who has the target on their back right away, preseason number one, uh, returning base. Basically, everybody, although they're working through some key injuries as we begin this season, um, and a team to me that could be a surprise team to watch for in the World Series is Northwestern. Danielle Williams, a lefty pitcher for them, was a freshman last year. They had a really, really strong year. Um, and Kate Drohan and company, they just continue to coach up that team. Yep. And I think that they could be uh, headed to Oklahoma City this year. Yeah, Amanda, it's funny. Get out of my head because that's exactly who I was going to say. Uh, from Northwestern, of course, love it. You know, they've got uh, that that great young picture in the circle. Um, the Drohans always very competitive, and you know what? I think I think the um, the Big Ten a little bit of stepping up between them, Minnesota. How does uh, Michigan respond? I, I think there's going to be some challenges there uh, in that league as always. But I love Northwestern. JMU is another one with Odyssey Alexander, that hitting pitcher that. Uh, bro, you talked about earlier. So I think there's going to be a couple teams that are going to surprise some folks. And you know how it is. It always comes down to seeding and the way that ends up once uh, the selection show comes out and we know who's going where. 
Yep, and that, that's on our seven innings podcast lineup card that you can get on the Twitter and the gram. Uh, chasing the championship. It's a jungle out there. And uh, we've highlighted for you some of the, uh, the teams that could be in that chase. Time now to move down that lineup card. J Mac. This week on Shaggin' Stats. Oh, we've missed those ones. Oh, yes. So beautiful. (laughs) My shagging stat, this is Holly. My shagging stat is just the explosion of softball coverage. On ESPN, we will have 200, more than 200 televised games on linear networks. That means like ESPN, ESPN2, ACC Network, SEC Network. And then we will have over a thousand on digital networks. So you are going to get more softball than ever. I think our numbers are the best we've ever had. That is my shag and stat. You're going to have all the softball you want to watch. It's amazing. Uh, this is bro. My shag and stat today, you know, amazing softball. We talked about some of the power numbers. So out of the top 10 power hitters, home run hitters from last season, nine of them return. So that includes hitters like Harper, Mia Davidson, Morgan Flores. And out of those nine returners from last season, eight are going to be seniors. So some huge power in the box with leadership and experience. Okay, this is Jen. So obviously my first ever shagging stat. So I wanted to no go out pressure, of the box. No pressure, Jen. No pressure. Something. I know. I know. So uh, <laughs> for the first time ever in college softball, there will be a player with her jersey retired in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Little League World Series winner Monet Davis Ooh. starts her collegiate career at Hampton Ooh. University this weekend. Nice. Nice. Number one, number one. Konnichiwa, watashi no namai wa Misha Rusumisu. Watashi no shaggy stat wa hyakyu rokuju kyu. My name is Michelle Smith, and my shag and stat is 169. That's how many days until the Tokyo Olympics. 24 weeks, maybe right around the corner. My shag and stat is about a team that was a first-year program last year, South Carolina State. They came in the RPI dead last, 297. Did not win a game. So they're going to be a team I'm following all year long and rooting for. It's fun to root for the underdog, right? Well, they're the ultimate underdog looking for them for their first win in program history. All right. This is Amanda. Kayla was talking about the power hitters. And just in general in this game, we're talking about more offense being created. So hang with me here. In 2019, there was only one sub one ERA. It was Shea O'Leary, freshman pitcher from Texas. 10 years ago in 2009, there were six sub one ERAs. 20 years ago in 1999, there were 22 pitchers that had a sub one ERA. So question is, could the below one ERA disappear this season as we just had only one pitcher that had it? Is it going to go away forever with the major offense that's being created? Awesome. Awesome. Everybody here is my shagging stat. Uh, we talked a little bit about the U.S. Olympic team and the two veterans on the club. Monica Abbott, the all-time strikeout leader. Um, but if you want to have a fun conversation, talk to Kat Osterman <laughs> about who's the all-time leader in strikeouts per seven innings. And for that, we give the cat uh, the nod to Kat. She is the all-time leader in K-7s with 14.3 strikeouts her game. So a shout out to Kat and Monica as we shag some stats today. That was shagging stats. 
All right, we get to the bottom of the order, everybody. And uh, right, uh, this week, you know, this could be a lot of different stuff. This could be a mailbag. This could be um, the J-Mac Minute, which we might introduce a little bit later. This could be Vegas Vicky um, with uh, odds-on stuff later in the year. This could be a little Buzz Lightyear action later on in the season. But we'll start out with Sprinkle the Infield. You know, that's post-game. Uh, you know, you sprinkle the infield. You buy everybody a, a beverage to enjoy after a hard day's work at the field. Um, so th- this is just sort of our catch-all, our final thoughts on this opening day and the welcome to the jungle edition of the seven innings podcast. Something I'm going to be watching closely is what is going on in the state of Mississippi? You know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State both making off-season coaching changes for different reasons. So how will they respond? And, and what we know is a very rough and tumble Southeastern conference. Can they fight through it with new head coaches um, to uh, to make a move in the SEC and in the postseason? What else we got on Sprinkle the Infield? Holly? Um, I was just down at Florida State, got to spend an afternoon with the softball team down there and Lonnie Alameda doing a great job. A lot of new faces there. Um, they, they are going to have a lot of turnover and it's exciting. We're going to see a lot of new faces in the pitching circle, but one really exciting thing for fans, they are building extra level on their softball stadium. So there will be shade for the fans who want to come out and watch softball games. So what I think is interesting for Sprinkle the infield is the growth. Every stadium, Rhodes House is being um, renovated at Alabama. Everywhere we go, more money, more growth being put into softball. So that is my Sprinkle the infield. It is bigger and better right, than This ever. is Amanda. My Sprinkle the infield is just going to be a sprinkle of transfers all across the country. And for us to be able to keep a closer eye on them and how they impact teams. We talked a lot about Louisiana. I think they have like 12 or 13 transfers on their roster which is a high amount, but also with Oklahoma State getting Carrie Eberly from Virginia Tech, from Virginia Tech, Busby from Virginia, and um, Allison Fibri from Georgia, major impactful transfers that are going to be affecting these teams and teams that were in the World Series last year. Um, what are they going to add to them? It's Jen. My sprinkled infield, and I hate to keep talking about UCLA, but it's my first time, so I could do this. Uh, and I'm pregnant, right? So I'm gonna about to be a mom. Woo! Genevieve Perez literally didn't play softball for two years and is going to start at UCLA as a mom to a two-year-old. And I think about her, she texted me in December and said, hey, I think I'm going to transfer. Can we work out? I said, yeah, we booked a time. Two hours later, she goes, oh, shoot, I don't have gear or a glove. I, I couldn't believe it. And she's going to start at UCLA. So I just think about the pressure of being a mom, being a starter, going back to school. And I, I'm really interested to see how she does. Well, this is this is JH. And I'm going to say, I'll stay on that train of UCLA, which is not normal. So Jen, this is a meeting of the minds. But when it comes to California or to UCLA, Kirk Walker is actually the head coach now of a new professional fast pitch team, the California Commotion. And the reason I think that's so important because it gives female athletes, female softball players, an opportunity to continue playing after their collegiate careers. And for those of us who played back before that was an option, I'm just so excited that we're able to see not only the maturity of these athletes continue to grow, but see the sport grow as well. All right, I think that's a good place to wrap things up, everybody, on our uh, our season premiere of the Seven Innings podcast, available on iTunes, ESPN, and wherever you find your podcasts. Follow along with us at Seven Innings Podcast. Beth Mowens, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Amanda Scarborough, Jenny Dalton-Hill, Caleb Rowe, Jen Schroeder, 
all on board with you. Shout out to Vegas Vicky, Buzz Lightyear, and J-Mac behind the scenes for uh, helping us make all of this happen. And we look forward to seeing you on the road. Uh, the action starts this weekend. And then next week, uh, one of our favorite weeks of the year at the Clearwater St. Pete Elite Invitational. If you don't have your, your ESPN app and your ESPN Plus uh, get it now. It's not too late because we're streaming all the action and we have double headers for you on your TV uh, starting on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The action will start on ESPNU and ESPN2 Thursday afternoon, Kansas, Missouri, and then Alabama, Washington, the two preseason favorites in what could be a preview of the Women's College World Series Champ Series And we are looking forward uh, to having you with us. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on the 7 Innings Podcast. Cue the music.